Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you the latest preaching from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. But we're going to start in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 36, and then we're going to jump to chapter 14, verses 3 to 7. And I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible version. And it's on the screen for you. It says, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Then jumping to chapter 14, He says, if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. So this is the statement that we're talking on this week when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I want to kind of touch on each of them individually in a bit. But first, I really want to focus on how Jesus is talking about God as a father. And it's very prevalent in Jesus' time of ministry that he talks about God not only as his father, but as our father. And this is kind of new for the Hebrews and for the Jews in in their faith and in their religion, because God was present in everything. Their, Their religion is very spiritual, and it was very spiritual, but God as a father was not a super relevant concept to them until this time. And Jesus is repeating, even from when he's young, you know, when he's at the temple, when Mary and Joseph are looking for him, he said, didn't you know that I would be about my father's business or I would be in my father's house? Paraphrasing, something like that. So he, he's been talking about God as a father since a very young age, but especially through his years of ministry, which were only three years. And if we think about it, it's such a short amount of time. But Jesus was, I don't want to say confronting, but yeah, confronting, challenging many concepts, not only of the Hebrew faith, but also of their society context throughout his ministry. And this one, in these scriptures, he's talking about God the Father. I am the way to the Father. And he uses this word Father that in Greek is pater, which is very similar to the Latin word. And it means father or parent, but it can be literal or figurative, and it can be near or far. And I love that because sometimes God is a literal father to us and sometimes it's a figurative concept, right? And sometimes he feels near and sometimes he feels far, but he's still that father. He's still that parent that's in our life that we have access to. And this relational concept that Jesus was really breaking through meant that they no longer had to continually sacrifice to be in the presence of God. I am the way to the father. You know, and it also meant that it was no longer exclusive because the sacrifices and being in the presence of God was set aside for the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. 
So there was an outer court, there was an inner court, and then there was like the, the inner, inner, inner circle. And only one priest was allowed to go in there at a time. And they went through a whole process of sanctification. They had to have the right robes. They had to have the right headpiece, the little thing on their chest with the stones, like everything, right? There was a whole process to get there. But Jesus cuts through all of that. And he says, I am the way to the Father. It's no longer exclusive. It's no longer far away. It's no longer religious. It's personal. And it's attainable. And it's for everyone. And I just thought that was so amazing. And I don't know what the word father might bring up in each of us. It might be painful. It might be joyful. It might bring nothing. Maybe you never had a dad. I don't know. And Jesus still said and used that example of a father. So we get to sit with that, with Jesus, and ask ourselves, what does that word father bring up in me? And how can I, through Jesus, get to know the Father better, the true Father? So yeah, Jesus was really showing us that there's another way to have a relationship with God. And this is manifested in a physical sense when the curtain tears at his crucifixion, right? So that curtain was thick. It was like a very thick curtain. I didn't look up the measurements, but it's, it's a very thick curtain. And when Jesus died, it says the curtain tore in two in the temple. So that presence of God was no longer hidden. It was no longer inaccessible to people like us. It was open and available and accessible for everyone. So Jesus was continually challenging all of these concepts of their faith and really pressing in and saying, if you know me, you know the Father. So I want to break down the three parts of his statement a little bit, and we're going to start by talking about the way. Now, the way can mean several things. It can mean the road, like the, a physical path that we walk on. It can also mean the journey, so the process, the time. And it can also mean the means, or in other words, the how. So not only was Jesus saying, I am the path, I am the road, I'm the foundation for you to walk on, but I'm also the process that can take you there, and I'm also the example of how to walk that process. So he really gives us the full circle of every part of this path, this journey. But he also talks about going away. So he had said to the disciples, I'm going away soon right? He's going to die and then resurrect and then he goes away to the Father. <laughs> and they didn't really get it. And they were like, where are you going? Why can't we come? Blah, blah, blah. Normal questions, right? When someone, if your friend said to you, hey, I'm leaving and you can't come, but I'll see you later. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, where, why, when, how, what? And the disciples had all of these questions, but Jesus said, don't worry, I'm going and you're coming and I'm going to prepare it for you. So I'd like to relate this to the principle of how we should walk while we're waiting. While we're in a season of waiting, while we're in a season feeling like we're in maybe the middle of so many things, or in a season of in the meantime. And that doesn't mean that we're not doing other things. Like maybe you're studying, maybe you're working, maybe you're doing ministry, you know, maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a friend, like we all have activities in our daily life, but somewhere in our life, for sure, 
we're in a season of waiting. And we're in a season where we feel like we're in the middle. But Jesus said, I'm going, but, I, but you're coming later. And I'm preparing that place for you. So I want us to later take home this question of what am I walking through right now? Like, where is that season of waiting in my life? Which aspect? And how can I look to Jesus as the way to walk through this season of waiting? Because maybe we're in a season of blessing, you know, but maybe we're in a season of difficulty. Maybe you're in a season of the valley of the shadow of death. And God was highlighting the Psalm 23 for me as I was preparing all of this. And in that Psalm, David said, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And what do these represent? They represent God's word and his correction and his guidance. And I don't wonder if this is a shadow of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Because in this same scriptures, Jesus says later, I'm sending you someone, I'm sending you a counselor, a, a guide, full of wisdom to help you in this meantime, in this middle while, while I'm not here. And I, I really believe that this might be a shadow of the Holy Spirit because we see shadows of the character of Jesus in the Old Testament, right? And I just love how God highlights this, that in that valley of the shadow, that guide and that counselor and that wisdom and that correction is with us in the middle. So his, his life is not only the example of the path, but also how we should walk it. So when he says, I am the way, it encompasses all of those things, what we're walking on, the foundations, the principles, the truth, if you will, but also how, the character, the examples, everything. And in that Psalm, it also says that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. He prepares a table in the middle of my enemies, in the meantime, in the waiting, and in the presence of my enemies. And he didn't just say that he was leaving, right? In other parts of scripture, Jesus called the disciples by saying, follow me. So it's not just that he's walking away, he says, follow me. And what is the way leading to? To the Father. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he said to the disciples, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Not just come with me, you know, and we'll figure it out. No, he said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. There's a destination. There's a goal. And that goal is about the overflow of the Father's heart. And the Father's heart is always for the people, whether it's for us, of course, but also for the people around us. And what better example did Jesus show than that the overflow of the Father's heart in him, of the Holy Spirit, was affecting everyone around him constantly. We can see it in his teachings, in his miracles, in every day that he breathed <laughs> and walked. He was overflowing the Father's heart. And the, he, the disciples said to him, show us the Father because he was talking about the Father, and I'm leading you to the Father, and I'm going to the Father, and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, show us the Father. And he says to them, have you not been with me? Like, have you not got it yet? The amount of times that I've been talking about how I am the Father, and the Father is in me, and, you know, all of these things about the Father, have you not seen? 
And he says, I only do and say what the Father says to do. I am the way to the Father. I am the way. So Jesus came and not only showed us the Father, but also the ways of the Father and the Father's heart. But not only that, he showed us how to walk it in our humanity, in our fallen nature. Jesus was fully human, fully, fully human. He went through all the emotions, different types of suffering. The Bible shows us like physical hunger, sadness, you know, all these things. He was a refugee. He was under government oppression with the Romans, everything. He went through so many human things. And I think we detach from that sometimes. And one time I had this revelation of like, what if Jesus decided not to die on the cross? I just like sat in that for a minute. Because he was human, guys. He had choices. He wasn't a robot. He wasn't just like, oh, this is what I have to do, so I'm going to do it. No, even the moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, he shows, like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> he says to God, like, please take it from me. Please, if there's any other way, take it from me. But not my will, but yours. And he was, he was fully human. And he showed us the way to the Father, even through our humanity. So we don't have to live under that oppression of our fleshy decisions of our sinful life. We can look to Jesus' example, to the way, <laughs> to the Father, and know that if he did it, we can do it too. So Jesus was obedient, right? And there's a scripture in Philippians that says that he was obedient and obedient even unto death on a cross. Like that's where his obedience took him, was to that death on the cross that was life for all of us now. And I wanna challenge us, what does our obedience look like? What does our obedience to God look like? Does it take us to death to ourselves? Does it take us to life in him? Or is our obedience a little bit up to interpretation, maybe? And I want us to go to 1 Samuel chapter 15 and read a little bit about Saul. So Saul had been anointed king, and he was on a roll. He was conquering for God and, you know, doing everything that Samuel the prophet said he should do, etc. But then the Lord had told him, go and conquer these people and destroy Everything. Everything. And so they went, they conquered, and they didn't destroy everything. So this is where we find Saul in these scriptures. And from verse 19, it says, uh, this is Samuel talking. So why didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you rush on the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul answered. I went on the mission the Lord gave me. I brought back King Agag of Amalek, and I completely destroyed the Amalekites. The troops took sheep, goats, and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was set apart for destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, at Gilgal. Then Samuel said, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. 
For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. And I want to tie this back to how Jesus was breaking the religiosity of the sacrifices and talking about the way to the father and that love of a father. Because here, Saul was using his religiosity as an excuse for his lack of obedience. He was saying, oh, but I did obey this law and this area, but not this word of God that he had spoken to me. So what does our obedience look like? Are we allowing some part of our religiosity or maybe society around us to influence what our obedience to God looks like? Because he speaks. He speaks fresh word and new, new revelation every day if we're listening. So are we obeying the word of God for today? Because Jesus showed us a better way. He showed us a way out from under the religious oppression, out from under the structures of religion that didn't allow for that relationship. And he said, follow me, I'm the way to the Father, and I'm the truth and the life. But that doesn't mean that we get to get rid of the holiness of God, right? Because Paul has a whole section in Romans about the law, and does that mean we have license to sin? And of course, by no means, blah, blah, blah. If you want to read it, go for it. Sorry, I'm just paraphrasing really quickly. <laughs> but um, in this time, there was an ideology called Hellenism that had come from the Greeks. So we're going to jump to a quick history lesson, uh, which I think is just important for context. But Hellenism was an ideology that had begun during the reign of Alexander the Great. So this was a while before Jesus, maybe like 200 years. Uh, but it had really permeated and persevered <laughs> through the years. And Alexander the Great was very young. He was conquering loads of territory at the same time. But instead of maybe as past examples of nations conquering that we've seen that they assimilate everyone to their culture, he wanted to preserve the mixing of cultures and the appreciation of all of, all of the things, <laughs> religion, culture, uh, language, whatever. So some of the principles of Hellenism are the desire to understand, appreciate, and represent the diversity of individual peoples. Not that bad, face value, right? Um, exploring one's emotions and seeing the world, also not so bad. Openness to new ideas and embracing beauty and truth wherever you find it. Here we get a little bit, a little bit risky, right? Beauty and truth, wherever you find it, whatever suits you. Does this sound familiar? And here we just go off the deep end. Um, the worship of multiple gods and the worship of rulers as gods. But what, what are our gods? You know, we all have little gods that we worship in the daily. We slip away from focusing on God and we worship our free time or our relationship or our studies or our money, you know, there's lots of things that take our attention off of, off of God. So yeah, those are the principles of Hellenism. And they sound really familiar to a lot of things that we're living nowadays, but they had permeated the society so much and stayed for so many years that even into the Pharisees and the Sadducees, one of the principal divisions between those two groups that we read about in the New Testament is that the Pharisees were more structured and religious uh, in, in their Hebrew faith and in their rulings, 
whereas the Sadducees sided more with Hellenism, so they were more liberal. So even into the church of that day, even into the faith and the religion of that day, these ideologies had gotten in. So what does our obedience look like? Because we don't have to, to be religious about it, but also we still need that holiness of God. And this is where the truth of Jesus and the person of Jesus comes in. Because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we often talk about Jesus, you know, truth is a person, right? It is the person of Jesus Christ. But I want to spin it a little bit of a different direction and go back to the first scripture that we read. John 13, 34 and 35. He said to them, I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So this is the truth of the way of Jesus. It is the love of God. And that's what leads people to the Father, is as we walk in Jesus' way, as we walk in his example, and we take his truth, which is God's love, then we can show people the true heart of the Father. And love is what leads us to obedience. Because if we don't understand God's love for us, our obedience becomes religious, if it's not out of love. And that obedience and that love for the Father is what led Jesus to die on the cross and to bring life to many. And at the beginning of John, it talks about the word that was with God and the word that was God and the word that everything was created by. And we know that that word was Jesus, that living and active word that is truth, is how everything was created. In other words, the way that everything was created. And I just love, the more you get into the scriptures, the more you break these things down, the more that God has really just circled everything back to the same principles. But we can't accept or understand the truth of God without understanding his love first, without accepting his love first. Because that love is what breaks down all of our walls, what breaks down all of our understanding and all of our religiosity and leads us to understand his truth and then walk in his obedience. And then we're walking in the way of Jesus and we're hopefully leading other people to the heart of the Father. And he came to give us life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And life in the fullest. And I heard this little snippet from a dad on TikTok <laughs> who was, he was a Christian and he was talking about why he doesn't want to let his daughters um, take their examples from Disney princesses <clears throat> because of, yeah, <laughs> because we so easily misinterpret freedom nowadays. And so many of the like Disney songs are about like, oh, I'm on my own now, no one holding me back, no one to answer to. No one to, yeah, tell me no. There's like the Hakuna Matata. No one to tell us no. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so a lot of that is, is the message that we're getting today about freedom. But he said, true freedom isn't in the absence of authority. It's in the presence of true love. And I just like played the video back and was like, wow, yeah. True freedom isn't in the absence of authority, it's in the presence of true love. And who is our God except truth and that love that changes everything? 
And I've said this to a couple people along the years, but it's one of my favorite things to remind myself of where my motivations are at, is that wanting to not do the wrong thing is a very different motivation from wanting to do the right thing. And wanting to not do the wrong thing comes from fear and out of looking out for ourselves, right? Wanting to protect our image. I don't want to do the wrong thing. Like, I don't want to make people think of me this way or that way. And religion will push us there because of the lack of love. But the second, like truly wanting to do the right thing is out of humility and honor. And truth leads us here. And who is truth except Jesus? And he is the way, the truth, and the life, and the life in abundance. So it's, it's full circle, guys. We need Jesus to be able to know the love of the Father, to be able to understand his truth, to be able to live in obedience, to be able to be an example for those around us, to be that overflow of the heart of God. But we can't walk in his way without the person of Jesus, without his truth and knowing his love. And otherwise, it doesn't change anything in us or in the people around us. And I want to go back to how he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Like, of course, we need to have our personal walk with God and be changing. But God's heart is always for people. So it doesn't just stay with us. It's not centered on us. It's about becoming fishers of men as well. That as he's changing us, again, that overflow flows out into other people, into the people in our school, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our grocery store, wherever on the plane, I don't know, on the bus, <laughs> wherever we're going, that there's an overflow. So I want to challenge us to ask ourselves, like what, this is really bad English, but like what good is it to me, that truth, like having that truth? Or like what, how does it benefit me to walk in the way of Jesus? Like, are we just doing it because it's the way to heaven? Or are we doing it because we truly want to walk that way to the Father? And we truly want to walk in that overflow. And taking it back to Psalm 23 again, at the end, David talks about how my, he says, he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. And I know it's a bit short, but the worship team can come back up at this time. And he, he says, he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. And I was studying this a little bit and that word anoint in Hebrew, it means to remove the fat and to clean away ashes. And in the Old Testament, when they were doing the sacrifices and whatnot, as they would put them on the altar, it would burn away the fat. And the fat was a wonderful sacrifice to the Lord. And the ashes they would put on during time of mourning. So this whole idea that his overflow, his anointing, my cup runs over and he anoints my head. He accepts our sacrifice of obedience and he washes away our mourning. He washes away our time of sadness. And he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. There's a destination to the way. There's that journey that as we're walking to look more like Jesus, we get to know the Father more. And we have that overflow from such a place of love. And that is just so encouraging that we can walk in that way.
And just as a reminder, there are people on the sides to pray with you. If any of this has really touched your heart or has confronted you or challenged you and you need prayer, there is people here to pray with you. And yeah, Jesus, we just bless you. We bless your name, Father. We thank you that you are our Father, that we can come to you, that there's no more exclusion, that there's no more specifications other than to walk in the way of Jesus, and that he is the way to you, that he is the truth that we can abide in, and he is that love that leads us to obedience, that leads us to that right walk with you, God. Thank you that you anoint our heads with oil. You remove our mourning. You accept the sacrifices of our heart, God. And you lead us to be fishers of men. You lead us to pour out more of your heart to those around us, God. Thank you, Jesus. We just come back to gratefulness. We thank you so much, Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanchor.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.